Hi, I'm Leslie Holloway. And I'm Josh Tran. And this is our podcast, Who I Am. This podcast is an exploration to how each of us has developed into who we are based on our past experiences and how we can make changes to become who we want to be today. <laughs> the guy that did a gummo. Oh, no, no. Uh, he was, he acted in, in that's Harmony Kareem did gummo. God. Werner uh, Herzog was, he acted in Julian Donkey Boy, I think. Oh, that's one. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, that that's a meme. Uh, I, I remember kids Dude, at gummo. my school. Kids in my school were getting together and watching those for fun to make fun of it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I just thought, that's hilarious. Well, check this out. So I lived in Texas, and when Gummo came out, I, I was like, was trying to figure out, is this a real documentary? Yeah. And at the time, there just wasn't any information on it that yeah. was, like, telling you what the hell this movie mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. They made it documentary style. And I yeah. think at the time... Documentary-style movies were relatively uncommon at that precise moment. Yeah. They're real common now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at that moment, they were uncommon enough to where you were kind of questioning it. Yeah. And uh, and so, weirdly enough, I, had pl- I, I was planning a trip from Texas, driving to New York, and I had planned to go through Xenia, Ohio, mm-hmm. where this movie was actually filmed. Yeah. And I wanted to see for myself if this was actually legitimate. I had to drive 20 miles out of the way to go there. (laughs) Then I started to ask people about this movie. And the only thing that people seemed to remember was the fact that there was a movie film there, but no one really (laughs) seemed to know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, that's fitting. (laughs) And then I'd (laughs) the funniest part maybe was the fact that I'd start actually describing scenes of the movie. (laughs) And then they just have this... I don't know if it was an incredulous or shocked look or yeah, maybe a yeah. combination. Yeah. I think most people thought I was just totally bullshitting. Yeah, 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 like there's no way a movie like that exists. <laughs> That's so And I think I enjoyed actually seeing them. Yeah, yeah. Disbelief. Mm-hmm. And then I knew I was actually telling the truth. You don't yeah. get to do that too much. Oh, for sure. So yeah, I, like I, I doing I think, that weirdness. Yeah, I read the, uh, a bit about it, and I think it was sort of at least like a quarter of it or something was yeah, very realistic. Yeah, it was realistic. like 50% very, yeah. acting. Fi- there were 50% like real mm-hmm. actors and then 50% yeah. locals. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Have you ever seen any of Terrence Malick's films? Possibly, uh, yeah, because sure. he did like Badlands back then. With, oh, okay, like, like uh, Michael Sheen, Martin Sheen, I can't remember which, and uh, Sissy Spacek and all that. But all he, right. he went away for decades and came back uh, like totally different style. It was like no narrative, oh. totally experimental, and it was just made very beautiful films. But uh, they always kind of reminded me of like the style of Gummo, which is like totally the opposite. Like, oh yeah, it, you know, it had some like beautiful moments and all that, you know. But it's kind of grounded in this like realism that's hard to, you know think is pretty or anything like that you know what yeah. I mean? but had very similar styles and i, I thought that was kind of cool that he used that technique for something so like strange and <laughs> i i weirdly had i i had seen that the director harmony what was his name uh harmony kareen 
Yeah, and he, I guess, released that. He looked like he was suffering from ADD beyond any yeah, human yeah. I maybe ever well, saw. Well, he's been life. on David Letterman like five yeah, times or something like that. that's where I, I did think, see him. Yeah, because he wrote that movie Kids. Uh, someone else directed it. it oh, like, okay. Uh, Larry something. Oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of blew up, didn't it? Yeah, that was a big movie. It was like, really controversial. But yeah, I remember like, that. Yeah, also based in that realism, you know, yeah. kind of style. And uh, I think that was the first time he was on David Letterman. He was like, like this, had his hands underneath his legs. Like yeah, bouncing his knees and stuff yeah. like that, and that was totally yeah. Uh, now, now he's making like, like he was on three, four <laughs> different kinds of bizarre drugs. Yeah, or something. yeah, um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah. Nowadays he's making like major studio productions. Oh, he is. Funny. Yeah, I think Matthew McConaughey and Snoop Dogg were in his last movie. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Still unique stuff, but you know. <laughs> well, I think when you make it. The funny thing is, is that you got to have enough of a budget to pull off a decent movie that yeah. actually somehow gets somewhere. Yeah. If you can pull all that off, typically you can make a name for yourself, you know, and you're probably marketing yourself. Hopefully you've got X, Y, and Z people that are producers or managers of what you're doing. Yeah. And then, you know, you move, I guess, progressively up the ladder as far as budgets and whatnot go. Mm-hmm. I remember when I did see him on Letterman, uh, he was in the process of, maybe you might know this, maybe you might not, Mm -hmm. but he was in the process of trying to get a movie done where he just picks fights with people. Oh, yeah. And people were just punching him in the face and he wanted to film all this. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. seemed, uh, to me, when I learned that, I almost felt like, okay, I'm now just looking at a highly unstable human <laughs> yeah. that, like, was yeah. given a budget to do some really crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you think <laughs> nowadays, like, yeah, I'm not sure if you know Eric Andre. Uh, oh, yeah. But, like, that's kind of, like, uh, a semblance totally. of what he's doing, you know what I mean? Well, no, so. he, this guy was, like, mm-hmm. it was, like, Eric Andre, mm-hmm. then the guy from Taxi. Yeah. Then this Harmony guy, because this Harmony guy didn't want to fake anything. Yeah. He yeah. really wanted people to, like, beat him. Mm-hmm. I think he was sent to the hospital, and then the whole movie was put on ice or something. Yeah, yeah. So something weird was going on. Mm-hmm. To me, it sounded crazy. Yeah. yeah. In the fact that, first of all, he didn't, didn't look like he could fight or do yeah. much mm-hmm. other than get beat up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the case or not, yeah. but that's what it looked like. Yeah. And the fact that he's willing to just randomly walk up to people and punch them in the face. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you run into a maniac, they'll yeah, potentially gonna, practically kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what it sounds like some it's serious randomness. Yeah. I mean, even like, with the Eric Andre stuff, I always kind of questioned that. I think he said that he actually nixed one of his skits. It was like he was coming out of like the New York sewers. Yeah, uh, like in, in inmate clothing, and, and he, he said he nixed it because he didn't want to get shot. <laughs> well, what I liked about Eric Andre, he mm-hmm. mixed it up. Yeah. Like he was, yeah. he was improving stuff, but mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily fights. Just were punching just, someone yeah, in the face, like, yeah. It was like, I liked, I think I saw the one where Jack Black was there. I really liked his reactions because I think he was completely dumbfounded throughout the entire <laughs> yeah, process. Yeah. And he's kind of an amiable person mm-hmm. trying to go along with whatever's going on. Yeah. Which made it even more kind of crazy, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Eric Andre said that he has uh, panic attacks sometimes during his skits, so he'll, <laughs> he'll like, he'll meditate before wow. he actually goes in and does the stuff, so he knows the limits of of, you know, at least his own experience. Because he doesn't know, like, yeah. someone could really, and I know I've seen a couple people get, like, 
pretty pissed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't remember them. It's been years since I yeah. saw that material. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a mixed bag at best. There's a fine line between, you know, like uh, revealing something about the nature of the world uh, through yeah. these interactions and basically just screwing people. Am I feeling people? like a, a series like that has got such a short shelf life yeah. as far as production-wise? Yeah. Like, eventually, you're just not going to find people wanting to come on your program. I'm assuming that's what ends up happening. Yeah, in the yeah, end. I guess so. After, you know, someone said, well, did you see what happened to this guy? Yeah, I think I saw an episode where, like, one of the guys from Jersey Shore came on and oh, it was so. so obvious that his publisher or not his publisher but the PR guy or whatever was just like good just trust me go on this show it's gonna yeah. be you're gonna get lots of hits you know what I mean and didn't tell him anything about the show and uh yeah it makes for some good moments but I can see that stacking up and well and especially like Jersey Shore to me I just think immediately like someone who who had peaked from Jersey Shore yeah. and is now just trying to exactly pull on yeah like so minutes. they're willing to get on anyone's show at some point yeah right? yeah so it's like, I'll take my chances. Yeah, yeah. I thought when Hillary Clinton went on Between Two Firms with that Zach guy, oh, yeah. that yeah. was a perfect example. Yeah. I think that was as real as it got uh -huh. because she was even saying, I can't believe I, what, what am I thinking yeah. to come on here? <laughs> yeah. She was pissed. You could tell that yeah. she, you know, as much as she will try to hide her emotions, mm -hmm. she could not in that episode. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting. I feel like the people that are in that situation that are kind of coordinating that have a really good opportunity yeah. to kind of play with it and and reveal as much about the, the subject as possible, you know what I mean, through the interaction. But The one a, where Seinfeld was on, that was a mixed bag. That one, <laughs> they seemed to really go out of their way to make him really look shitty. Yeah, I feel like he's very... Cardi B, uh, I think, came on in the uh, middle of it, and he was, like, forced to sit on the ground. Or It was yeah. really bizarre. Yeah. I can't quite tell sometimes. Like, yeah. I know he's... He would probably be willing to do stupid shit for just comedy's sake. Yeah. There's some people then, willing to do that, but... I feel like he has to have, like, some element of, like, control himself. He <laughs> yeah, needs to you be at the wheel a little totally bit. totally make yourself look like yeah, an idiot. Yeah, and, and then walk away like it was legit. Yeah, I feel like, obviously, there's limits to how much you can go through. Like, I've seen him do some pretty crazy stuff to people who are going along with it. You know what I mean? And well, even that's they, the Andy Kaufman element. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, when you overdo it, yeah. uh, you're but, looking at kind of a maniac. Yeah, but I think, you know, uh, at least for the people that are, are coming on the show, I think if you have some knowledge of it, you got to play with it and kind of uh, yeah. enjoy the experience. You can't make you know? yourself look like it's getting to you. Exactly, That's yeah. the last thing you yeah. want to do. Yeah, so I feel like that's a good mark of who is, like, true to their yeah. form when they kind of go on there and they're... They're almost a part of the gag themselves, you know. I think the other one I remember getting pissed off, I think, was Ben Stiller. I don't believe <laughs> he enjoyed that. Yeah. He looked really... Well, you know what? Here's what my thought is, and this is my observation, particularly what the people that, like, replaced everyone for late night and whatnot. And, and as we were watching, like, the Deepak Chopra stuff and whatnot, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of these people are almost like caricatures. So in other words, they are portraying themselves as they want to be portrayed, mm -hmm. but they can't go naturally with moment to moment. It yeah. all has to be super rehearsed. Yeah. And then everything has to go according to plan for yeah. them to come out 
kind of looking cool exactly. or yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, uh, like I recently, there, there's I think Spike Lee was uh, the president of the jury at, at the Cannes Film Festival this year, uh, and I, so I was seeing lots of stuff about him. And one of the photos, he had that same like red line jacket. I don't know if that's Louis Vuitton or what that that Chopra was wearing. Oh, really? And I was like, no way, you know, because Spike Lee is, you know, like he's one of those people that for whatever reason he's expressed remarkable like competency and in, in, like the the things that he kind of pursues and yeah. and do the right thing is like a remarkable portrait of something in america you know and then uh, i i see him falling to the same you know <laughs> totally it's not it's like, like i wouldn't buy expensive clothes if i was famous but you know i i think it reveals like a certain part of their character and i guess this, yeah and i guess a certain part of it is you know it's well made you're incredibly wealthy yeah and i would say it probably reflects the fact that they don't really care yeah yeah if and, they were wearing something that wasn't Louis Vuitton, yeah. they probably wouldn't. It probably yeah. wouldn't be a big deal. To yeah, them. and see, I guess that was only one part of it. And uh, but in like the intervening like time, uh, I, I saw some articles where he was, I guess, attached to uh, uh, NYPD's like new PR movement. Uh, okay. So basically, trying to like recharacterize themselves, you know. So oh, it's yeah. like you know, you make a movie like do the right thing, like trying to re revitalize the NYPD. I feel like it's kind of counterintuitive to your cause. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like that's just playing into this like advertorial aspect of how, the direction our country is kind of moving in. Where well, and that's the inauthenticity of decision making, yeah, right? Yeah. Where you're doing things you don't wouldn't want to do mm -hmm. to have an outcome. Yeah. Yeah. You know. How much of that is going on? And, and to me, I'm like, well, if you already have the Louis Vuitton jacket, then why do you gotta, you know what I mean? Do yeah. That, you know what I mean? So it's like at a certain point, it's like. Well, like we were saying before, uh, you know, how much dirt is on some of these people that are forced to do things? Yeah. yeah. You know, how much is the IRS <laughs> dirt on certain people? Yeah. How much, you know, did, did they commit a crime mm -hmm. that is, you know, a known crime? Mm -hmm. They know some criminal department knows about it, mm -hmm. and now it's just being used as blackmail against them. Yeah. My sense is there's a bunch of people in high-powered positions that are in that that exact spot. Yeah. I would yeah. think. Yeah. It's, uh, I you don't know. know. So even though you may have a conscience mm -hmm. and you don't want to do the things you do, mm -hmm. you're just getting yourself in deeper because you were complicit on an initial crime or an yeah. initial something, you know. That's, I think, how they get a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, you know, that's something that many people might label as, like, conspiratorial thinking, but it can happen at such a small scale. Why can't it happen at such a yeah. large scale, you know? If it's, like, it's possible, yeah. why wouldn't people that are up to <laughs> nefarious stuff yeah, be using be doing it? that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, if, if they're using the same talk, if tactics as a mafia mob boss, yeah. why wouldn't they be? Yeah, yeah. And, and the I, I've read multiple things about, like, the cancel culture where, you know, uh, as many authentic and, you know, um, situations that uh, occur out there in the world that have, you know, honest, uh, I guess, uh, points of view uh, there are also this huge swath of things where it basically is just blackmail. It's like you were saying about General Petraeus earlier, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, who knows how many of these things, these allegations are actually true. It yeah. doesn't matter because the initial saying of the allegations is what kind of turns that switch in a lot of people's minds and, and just, like, blacklists them immediately, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Or even the threat of that occurring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many of us are in that survival threat mode? Yeah. How many of us have X, Y, and Z in our mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. 
that we never want to face because these are like, you know, things that we feel are, could destroy us. Yeah. 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 I think there was an old, I don't know if you watched X-Files back in the day, but like, yeah, yeah, uh, um, Skinner, uh, was like one of the big characters and, and he was kind of labeled as like a bad guy early on in in the seasons, but you know, had his own character arc, became a really good character that you wanted to follow. But I think there was like a whole arc, uh, uh, where, you know, the, cigarette smoking man was just like getting him to do all these nefarious things it's like he's one of your favorite characters but he's like going against his grain a little bit you know what i mean so it's like you know like i said it happens in small scales large scales whatever you know you can see it translated to any kind of environment and then particularly when you're doing things that you uh you know are are at least at best dishonest yeah but then there is maybe the rationale initially that well, even though it's dishonest, I'm doing it for the betterment of, and then yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah, the whole greater good theory. Yeah. 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 And then suddenly you're doing something slightly worse, mm-hmm. still trying to convince yourself that, you know, hiding the truth is better for everyone. Yeah. My sense is just telling the truth regardless mm-hmm. And dealing with the consequences yeah. and then correcting or moving on yeah. or cleaning the slate so you can actually build a future yeah. rather than have a, a whole sea of secrecies yeah. that we, you know. And that's funny, too, because uh, I don't know, were we talking yesterday or maybe it was this morning? I can't remember. But it was a conversation about how, you know, we have all these systems that are broken. And doesn't it seem like the education system that we have is, like, doing nothing but training people to fix broken systems? Yeah. Because think about it. Like, if if we were really trying to create a world that we wanted to live on where everyone was happy working together and everyone working in a friendly manner, um, wouldn't we be taking, you know, uh, young people and having them explore their own minds, having them explore their own intelligence, having them come up with systems from scratch mm-hmm. and developing systems that are would be beneficial for all mankind rather than pushing them through a system where all you're doing is uh, looking at problems. Yeah. Because looking at problems already, doesn't that already imply that the system is going? Yeah. So like yeah. You're, you're a maintenance human Mm-hmm. looking at a sea of problems and they're they're the same thing right advanced mathematical calculations chemicals that get mixed you know worms that need dissecting yeah a bunch of idiotic information let's face it i mean yes maybe this information is important to some people mm-hmm. at a certain moment yeah. it certainly isn't important enough to teach everybody this stuff mm-hmm. i think that's pretty common sense yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, uh, it, it provides a baseline for uh, that population of, of younger people and students and stuff like that to basically just maintain the status quo uh, of any area that they're kind of going into, you know. And and I don't know, you know, you always hear those stories about like, uh, I don't know, Harvard students, like uh, an 18-year-old genius coming up with like a, a cure for a type of cancer or something like that, you know. So it's like, you know, you, you have these achievements that, you know, uh, do good for mankind, but then you have to question like what, how that fits into uh, a structure already. How 
much is that yeah. drug going to cost? How how is it going to fit into the pharmaceutical well, who, industry? Yeah, or who's who's funding that? Yeah, who's expanding that? Mm-hmm. And already your scenario of some 18-year-old genius at Harvard already sounds like a very rare moment to me. Yeah, yeah. These should be common moments. Yeah. Learning how to use the full functioning of our brain, mm-hmm. our creative portion of our brain. Mm-hmm. Should that not be, like, think about it. If we're creatures on this planet creating, shouldn't that be, like, one of the most fundamental skills that you have, period, yeah. just onto itself? Yeah, and that's one thing that I've talked about like constantly before is just, you know, the undervaluing of that sense of creativity. And I think, you know, human beings can be creative in uh, a myriad of different ways that don't necessarily have to do with artistic achievements or anything like that. You know, yeah. so it's like you think, you know, you talk about the advanced mathematics. I mean, there are people that view mathematics as, as much of an art as, you know, uh, painting or writing or anything like that, you know. So but then that's that personal achievement. That's that personal endeavor of getting good at, at something to the point of you know getting that genius grant or whatever you know what i mean but i think fostering that sense of creativity attaching it to many different things instead of just a few things you know uh well what about you know the premise of allowing that individual to choose from a whole selection of different things to do right yeah yeah. isn't that really what should be taking place yeah and 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 then fostering enough opportunities for mm -hmm. that individual to choose from yeah i think so and you know we barely discover i think a lot of the things that we want to do i mean I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like by the time we got to make big decisions mm-hmm. coming out of high school, going into college, going into debt, starting yeah. families. Yeah. What, how much do, how well do we know ourselves? Yeah. We don't. Yeah. So, you know, if you get married young, chances are that person you got married to is going to be a completely different person in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and gosh, that that's, uh, that, raises a whole bunch of different other questions about how relationships are advanced or held back by these status quos of, of you know, uh, and, and our whole podcast is about that idea of change and embracing it, you know, but I yeah. think when so much of your time is dedicated to certain like capitalistic endeavors or whatever it is that you're doing in your life, you're going to be paying attention to things other than what you want to. I so, need to eat. Yeah. I need to Weirdly enough, we are in an age where survival mechanisms are survival mechanisms are unnecessary Mm -hmm. so but they're still all motivators Mm -hmm. for behavior yeah so i need to i need to have a roof over my head Mm -hmm. i need to eat i need to you know i guess maybe have retirement that would that's at least a calculation for quite a few people yeah i need to have a financial safety net and the problem i think with all those i need to's is that in the system we're in, it's a it's kind of built around like a dog eat dog, win mm. and lose. Yeah. So in that system, you do need those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you actually have a highly developed system mm-hmm. that actually is helping everyone, mm-hmm. each individual is helping everyone, and the system continues to expand onto itself instead of, you know, having wars, destroying things, you know, concentrating wealth in the hands of very few people that are basically trying to construct things just for their own personal gain. Mm -hmm. When that's the actual system, of course, it leaves almost everybody in a mad scramble to survive. Yeah. But when we flip it, 
when we start creating small communities and then you ask yourself, what do you need? I need clean water. Mm -hmm. I need good food that nourishes me. I need to surround myself with um, a community that cares for me and I care for the community. Mm -hmm. You know, these are fundamentals. Yeah. And these are not being met. Yeah. Not one thing I just mentioned, I'd say, was actually getting to people. Yeah. What's the status of our water? What's the status of our food? Mm -hmm. What's the status of our communities? Yeah. You know, how much pollution is in our water? Mm -hmm. How much, how, how nutritious is the average meal someone's eating today? Yeah. Uh, do, do you know who your neighbor is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we got to spin this back around and start to take a look and say, how do we build a system and a community based upon these needs? Yeah. And then start providing people with these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question. And, and I, I, I guess I could go back to what you said earlier about, um, uh, like the, I guess what we recognize, uh, the system to be and like, I guess there's a cycle there that you grow up in a certain system and you may recognize it as a problem. And that might be like the catalyst for uh, further growth and, and, you know, making these like uh, societal uh, choices that better it. Um, but like, I feel like there's one generation that has existed underneath it for so long that the problem uh, has just kind of either dulled in their mind to the point that it, it's no longer seems like a problem or they just found their personal success within that system. So yeah. they want it to continue existing because, you know, they, they found success in it. Everyone else can, no matter the circumstances, you know what I mean? Well, and, and then there's a generation that recognizes it as a problem. And then that, that sparks the thought, we can change this. Uh, what can we do uh, to do that, you know? Uh, and then there's a, a generation that I feel... Uh, may have th this kind of freedom that we're talking about, maybe not on a community level, but on a familial basis, uh, where, you know, their parents give them this kind of upbringing, you know, that we, we whether it's their education or the food they eat or the, you know, what their parents tell them is going to be okay to experience in life or whatever. Uh, and I feel like there's going to be this weird clash where that group of people uh, is, you know, going to, come across the fact that society is not the way their family told them it was going to be. Uh, and, and then that's going to fur create further strife in, in a way uh, for these people that are equipped in a way to uh, better the world and the people around them and all this different stuff. Uh, and, and then there's just going to be a world that is just kind of lagging behind and, and they're not going to really, I, I guess, know how to integrate those two parts of, of what the world is, you know? Yeah, I mean, my sense is if you can create the systems of community, these smaller systems that are highly functional, um, you can just draw a, an endless amount of people that would want to either replicate them or become part of that system. Yeah. I mean, especially when, you know, we stop looking at our system through the eyes of money. Yeah. Through the eyes of I need because when you're constantly in need, you can't actually sit back and think about what it is you truly desire because you have these needs that need fulfilling. And, and typically, the, there's the, the need to need never ends. There's something you need. And uh, I think ending 
that by creating a community. Hmm. So no matter what, so let's just say, let's just start thinking about what, what the world would look like if just a handful of fundamental things would change. So let's say, you know, we, we had a system where no matter what, everyone always knew that they, they could have a place to sleep. And everyone always knew that they would just n not be hungry and there was plenty of food. And everyone knew that, like, the medical system would always help you if you truly needed help. And that everyone was actually just in general a nice person and trying to help one another. Mm -hmm. um, if all those needs are fundamentally met, then ask yourself, what do you need out of life? And the answer is really not too much. I mean, the pursuit of personal relationships, maybe strengthening that, strengthening your own beingness, mm -hmm. and then creating, creating things that are better creating brand new things no one's ever seen. Yeah. Living a healthy life. And, you know, want actually actually creating a fantastic planet where no one's even talking about climate change because the planet's functioning on such a high level that, you know, the climate's perfect. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the reduction of excess uh, of desire. And, and, and like you said, uh, calculating what exactly you need in life, not, not any sort of want, you know? Yeah, and, like and, how much money must yeah. be in the bank for mm -hmm. me to get a good night's sleep, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, that can be reduced for a large number of people if they really got to the core of what they wanted out of life. I think a lot of people want things in this capitalist society that builds itself off of excess uh, and they think that because they want that thing it, it is a necessity uh, so you know we, you talk to some people about this concept of like reduction and creating a community that exists off of something uh, you know, less than what communities exist off of now. And I think a lot of people get scared at the idea of not having those things they want that they think they need. Well, I don't, I don't even know if it's less than. Mm -hmm. Less than's maybe a broad oh, term. Oh, yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is that restructuring of what you think you want and what you need. And uh, uh, it's less of a reduction and more of just like a, a fine-tuning of, of the parts of your life and personality that you want to kind of hang on to. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of us would be happy with what appears to be less, but is actually fulfilling to us uh, to the same degree that, you know, everything is nowadays, if not more so. Who are you?